welcome to a special late, super late episode of Chapter Tactics. Although, if you're an optimist, it's an early episode because it's going to be released over the weekend. And we're still going to get another episode of Chapter Tactics on Monday. So, your double dose of Chapter Tactics is here and brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. However, before we do all of those announcements and directions, first, actually before we do the announcements, on to the introductions, we've got two very special guests on um, they're actually not that special, and they're not guests, they're regular co-hosts. That is Mr. Peter the Falcon. Kaka. And, of course, Mr. Brandon Grant. Oh my gosh. But good I'm to so be sorry. back, as always. I had to unmute myself. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, you're both special! I'm just kidding! <laughs> uh, anyways, the reason why I brought on Brandon and Peter for this episode is because we are going to be talking about the five worst performing codexes and factions in Warhammer 40k. We're going to talk about how to fix them. We're going to talk about what they need, what their best list is, why that isn't enough, and why maybe, in our opinion, they aren't in a healthy state. Now, we did order them. So this these five factions are in ordered in uh, basically from least worst to absolute worst. And we're going to start with number five, which is the least worst out of the five. However, this is mostly my opinion uh, based off of some objective data that the Falcon gave me. Um, however, like any good reporter and YouTuber out there, I looked at that data, said to hell with it, and made up the list myself. Mm. So is mostly based off of my opinion with Brandon and Peter, half approving, half disapproving. However, this is a fun episode. Uh, we weren't supposed to have an episode of Chapter Tactics this week, and I really wanted, I've been wanting to do this episode for a while, I really wanted to have an episode for you all. Uh, so, before we jump into it, of course, this episode is brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. As I mentioned earlier, your one-stop shop for all the Warhammer 40k content you need with tournament battle report, tournament coverage, tactics advice, news about the gaming world and also random stuff sometimes on chapter tactics uh head on over to frontline gaming network also we're doing a really awesome giveaway we're giving away five thousand dollars worth of stuff it's not a hundred percent clear what the giveaway is yet for me although if you watch the video that nick navadi put out on the art of war there's also a link to it in the description you'll it'll explain everything but essentially you get points or entries for achievements like subscribing to the Frontline Gaming Network on on uh, Spotify or anywhere we can find podcasts, uh, going to our Facebook page, liking it, uh, heading over to uh, the website, which is I linked to, and then entering a promo code. By the way, if you're wondering, the Chapter Tactics promo code is all in all caps RHINO. So if you're listening to this episode and you want five extra entries to win cool prizes, put in that promo code RHINO. In all caps, R-H-I-N-O, if you do not know how to spell it. Not rhinoceros, that's too many words. Just rhino. Uh, and if you don't know, that is my nickname. And if you listen, if you put that in there, it shows that you listen to at least the first three minutes of this episode. And you get some free, five free entries. So, pretty cool. Also, I know a lot of you have been asking about that sick Katachan Colonel model. Uh, I.e. Carl Weathers from Predator. Mm-hmm. So if you want to win that, uh, as you may know, every store was allocated a certain amount of them for free. However, there are a lot of local gaming stores, and uh, a lot of them are choosing to sell the model, uh, let's say, a, a markup. A, a, not, a markup you would not normally 
see online at all because we're usually very nice to each other. However, we decided we were going to be giving away that kernel for free. We didn't want to open it up to a lottery or the first, you know, a few people. So we decided to give away all of them. So we're giving away three on the 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 stream. I don't know if it's going to be via the giveaway, uh, the $5,000 giveaway or a future giveaway. However, subscribe to the Frontline Gaming Network if you want to win one of those kernels. Uh, if you're excited and um, we're just going to give them away for free just for listening. So um, instead of making money off of them. You had me at a low, Pablo. Mm, great. All right. Also, if you want to go to FrontlineGaming.org, if you want to support the podcast, head on over to Patreon.com slash Chapter Tactics. Also, go to FrontlineGaming.org, as I mentioned, and I just completely skipped over that. If you want to buy cool stuff. All right. That is it. And let's get into this topic. So the origins for why... I wanted to talk about this with Brandon and Peter. Uh, Peter, if you may know, is in charge of 40kstats.com, which puts him in the very unique position of actually being able to look at which factions are underperforming, not from a win-loss ratio, but from other ratios as well, too, at 40k tournaments. Now, I know not everyone goes to 40k events. However, 40k events are a really good barometer that shows us how well a, pro- a faction is doing currently. Uh, for example, Space Marines are doing pretty well in tournaments. <laughs> if you have, if you've been paying attention to the last six months, um, Space Marines are pretty powerful, and that's actually reflected in casual games, in battle reports. Uh, the community at large, even the non-competitive 40k community, knows that Space Marines are overtuned. So you can also look at the flip side. The community knows which factions are underperforming which factions need a little love now i know a lot of you like to to go online and send games workshop um a strongly worded email explaining why your faction and or uh codex doesn't have the stuff it needs to beat your friend timmy in his garage i get that however we've only got room for five of them and I think a lot of people uh, tend to focus on the negatives of their faction, and I actually think a lot of factions, even the five that we're going to talk about, have good stuff going for them. So we're only going to talk about the five worst ones in our opinions. If you want to hear our opinions about the other ones, maybe get into that comment section on YouTube, on FrontlineGaming.org, on Facebook, or wherever we are, and just uh, talk about why your faction didn't make the list, and why we are 100% wrong, and why we should have talked about it this episode. Hmm. All right. Also, Pablo will read all of your comments. I will. I actually read every single comment. He does. Reese makes me. He yeah. he balls and chains me to the desk and forces me to read every single comment, which is why I can both simultaneously say I love it because half of you are so amazing and supportive, and the other half of you are the internet. Mm. I I don't read any of the comments unless Pablo sends them to me, and he only sends me funny ones. So mm. send lots of funny ones. I will read all of them through Pablo. He also angrily reads Dark Angels players ones too. So if yeah. you're a Dark Angels player, usually you'll know. I explicitly have know. that filter set up. <laughs> most most Dark Angels players announce that they're Dark Angels players. Yeah. Like it's in the first sentence. So yeah. uh, that it's usually like gets me to respond to. Oh yeah. Uh, and then of course I brought Brandon on because Brandon is the 2018 ITC champion. He is been around this game for an extremely long time at one point believe it or not he was actually a casual warmer 40k player kind of guy who would paint his army up maybe maybe 
tune his list a little bit, but mostly just roll dice and have a good time. So he knows what it's like to play with underperforming factions. He's been playing Dark Angels for a very long time and Guard. Um, but also uh, he knows what it takes for a faction and a codex to be able to make it to the top. He's taken Astro Militarum all the way. He's taken multiple good lists, multiple factions, some underperforming and uh, one with them at the highest level. So Brandon absolutely brings the credibility to the podcast that Peter or I don't have. Mm, I'm none. Well, I hope so. I think this is going to be fun. I think it'll be an absolute blast. So uh, some criteria, the reason why we pick these five factions. Uh, first of all, we think that they don't represent their single codex well, meaning that with allies, maybe they perform a little better. However, I wanted to look at each of, code each of these codexes in a vacuum. Uh, how the faction performs within itself um, internally, is it internally balanced, uh, and then how does it compare to the other factions or codexes that are kind of similar to it or kind of um, represent also what some of what this faction represents. So where it stands as a whole and where it stands internally as well. Um, I also picked these because uh, they're not played very often. They're not doing very well in tournaments. Uh, I don't think any of the five that we talk about are exactly uh, barn burner, hyper tier competitive lists. Uh, more than likely, you know, uh, you won't pick them if you want to even go four and two or three and three at a large major or GT. So, and then finally, uh, the, the the last criteria is just uh, I just think that they're bad. That's the mm. last one. So no, there's you heard it here, folks. About it. It's, it's not just, just me. My opinion. That's it. That's the last criteria. I think that's every criteria for every top five list you've ever read mm -hmm. online. They just don't admit it. So, all right. Uh, without further ado, ten minutes in, number five is going to be Necrons. Now, Necrons actually have, I, th I would say out of the five of these, act currently, I think they have probably the best performing list. Uh, single tournament list out of these five, um, meaning that if you go to a 40k tournament and you see Necrons, uh, you will see one list and you probably have to play around. You probably have to be careful. It probably has a good chance of beating you because it's not that bad. However, outside of the six units in this list, maybe seven, uh, if they're feeling spicy, there's not much else going for that codex. Uh, their units are very, very subpar. They're very limited. Uh, there's an entire phase that Necrons can't participate in, and that's the psychic phase. And uh, some would but, say they don't participate in the fight phase either. So yeah, that's true. They don't. They barely participate in the fight phase. And unlike Tau, who also don't participate in the fight phase or the psychic phase, they don't participate in your opponent's charge phase as well. So they have one less phase that they participate in. Uh, than Tau do, which is also why I'm putting them on the list. And by the way, if you think Tau deserve to be on this list, I think you should probably um, read the Tau Codex. And the, the Tau Psychic... Or, uh, uh, greater Good. Greater Good. And Greater Good. Two really solid books. However, we're not talking about Tau. We're talking about Necrons. Okay. Peter and Brandon. First and foremost, what are your first impressions uh, about the Codex? If someone were to tell you tomorrow you have to take this Codex to a tournament, what would your reaction be? What what are your first thoughts on this codex? Well, I'd start with the strengths, and then I'd try and break down some of the weaknesses. So when I think of Necron strengths, I think of their inherent rule of reanimation protocols, where if you don't wipe a unit out, some of the models <clears throat> will come back, possibly on a 5+, plus, sometimes a 4+, plus, sometimes a rollable. 
And that can be extremely powerful to just add more free models to your army. Um, so that seems like an excellent strength to me if you can properly utilize it. Um, and of course, Necrons have very strong leadership uh, across the board. So morale doesn't tend to be a very big problem for them. So as long as you have, you know, a couple models from that unit survive, then you're in great shape. So immediately I start thinking, okay, I want maximum resilience out of my Necron units. And I want huge unit sizes. So if I can take 20 models in a unit, I want to take 20 models in a unit. But then I start looking into the codex and we start seeing some of their weaknesses, which are things like um, those units that are large, only their troops. So you can get 20 warriors. That's the only unit that goes really that large. Or things like um, units are um, struggling to get where they need to go. So there's a transport for Necrons, the Ghost Ark, and you can teleport out of flyers. But even when you get there, the warriors just kind of seem lackluster to me. Mm -hmm. And um, not really impressed by them. The destroyers, though, of course, are excellent because they have the infantry keyword. They can get a cover save as they zoom around the table. Um, so yeah, the, the Necron units that are really, really, really strong that end up being in the, the list, they do fine. But um, I don't know. They're not really making that much use of that Necron ability that immediately comes to mind, which is their resiliency directly. So if, for example... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm going to leave it there for now, and I want to hear what Peter has to say. So if you told me that I had to take Necrons to an event, um, and and uh, I would probably cry for a little bit, um, <laughs> and then I would call uh, Michael Tempe, um, and then he and I would cry together for a little bit, <laughs> um, and then I would just hope for the best because, like Brandon said, the stuff that you would think makes uh, should make Necrons good doesn't. Um, all of their large scale units, like uh, Necron Warriors, is the kind of the big key players to a lesser degree. Uh, things like that, um, where you should be able to use reanimation protocols to your advantage, um, you just can't because this is a very killy game, and they really, other than reanimation protocols, don't have a lot. Um, from their troop perspective, um, that makes them survivable. Most of their survivability, the way this game is currently designed, is in their vehicles, and that's why most of the, like the quote unquote like highly competitive Necron lists, the ones that may top four an event or you know go uh, five and one or five and two at L or four and two at LVO, um, they're running you know Doomsday Arcs, Tesseract Arcs, and then you know either Immortals or um, uh so they're Peter dropped out dudes, there a little bit. And that's bit. really it, because that's all they got. That's it's they don't they just rely on that quantum shielding and massive amounts of Tesla shots and a little bit of gauze, and they hope for the best. Um and then of course usually a one squad of destroyers because they have that one stratagem that's absolutely bonkers town. Uh yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent, Peter. Uh it the strength is in their vehicles and their low model count list. It basically is reflective of that. Uh for those of you who who don't know, uh, there's not much there hasn't been much similarities between the top Necron list in, in I think say almost a year. I, I wanna say we've been talking about three doomsday arcs, three uh uh three Night size or doom scythes. Yeah. Doom Scythe, there you triple go. Do triple Doom Scythe, triple Doom Zarek, yeah. Tomb, tomb Blades, and then Min Immortal, Min Tesla Immortals has been the and list for so long. Yeah, That's a lot of six destroyers that you deep strike in and give two yeah. up cover saves and shoot from across the map. It's all pretty standard now. 
And yeah, really, I, the only thing we've seen change after Space Marines was we did see a kind of uh, some people taking uh, Tesla arcs on top of the Doomsday arcs and either dropping the flyers or dropping the tomb blades. Oh, um, annihilation really barges. Uh, occasionally, you'll see them. Um, even then, not as they're pretty. They're they're almost a, an uncommon sight as well. But it, to be fair, it's just quantum shielding that you really want, right? And then how how can you get as much shooting out of that? So pretty much, yeah. So. Uh, before before we jump into how to fix them, uh, I want to talk about um, specifically what what their identity is, right? So if if you don't know, and we we've kind of alluded to it, is the Necron identity to me has always been about its tough, durable troops or its tough, durable infantry, right? The the monolith is, is really cool. The obelisk is super cool. They've always kind of been known to have like one or two like big indestructible vehicles. Um, but that's never been the focal point of their list or, or their list design. Astro Militarum have entire tank regiments and their rules show it. They have tank rule. They have tank commanders that uh, give out orders. They have orders specifically for tanks. They have stratagems for tanks. They have relics for tank commanders. They have, it, you have the ability to field an entire tank army in Astro Militarum. It's part of their identity. Necrons don't have that. Their identity is tough, one or two tough, durable vehicles and tough troops. And, and their troops are supposed to, never die their infantry are never supposed to die they're supposed to be this i don't i don't want to say like this is unkillable zombie horde but that's kind of what i'm led to believe when that's I kind of the shtick right yeah right like if you read like, any of the lore involving necrons it's always the like looming like these guys are going to come and no matter what you do they're going to keep coming back it's it's that terminator-esque uh, thing you know they yeah. look exactly like them you got to stuff them in machine presses or dump them in molten lava uh to do anything about it otherwise they're just going to keep standing back up and moving forward yeah. um and in yeah. hordes which is the scary part it's not just one with a shotgun there's a whole bunch of them with yeah, yeah laser and guns so and, so uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Peter. Go ahead. The, the other thing I'd say is, it, like, and I think it's where you're going. It's just that that's not what we see. Uh, I had a talk with Mike uh, Tempe recently, a uh, very quick chat, where I said, I just read a, a Necron. Well, it wasn't a Necron book. It was like a book who, about. Who is Mike uh, Tempe, by the way? For those, he's for those... one of the top Necron players in North America. Um, he's been playing them for forever and a day um, out of the Bay Area. Really excellent player. Um, amazing person to listen to. He has a podcast, High Lords of Terra, where they've gone pretty in depth on Necrons multiple times, um, and he's kind of my go-to uh, to talk about this stuff. Anyway, I I sent him a message. I was like, I just read a book uh, with Necrons in it, and flares are absolutely terrifying in the lore. Why can't they be like that in your Codex? Because in the Codex, they like have three attacks that are strength four, uh, AP nil, and they can deep strike, and that's like oh. <laughs> Ooh, booga booga booga! I don't know what to think. <laughs> yeah, but in like books, they like wear people's skin and they flay you alive in like half a second, and it's they're yeah. definitely not nearly as terrifying aspect on the table as they are um, in the lore. So, for example, I don't know if there's anything in the tabletop that references how scary they are. Yeah, I don't know. They might have a leadership debuff, but who cares? I don't, and I and I say might because I literally don't know since no one has ever fielded them in. 15 years maybe but um on that note i think you did a great job peter summarizing not only their strengths but some of their weaknesses i think the last thing we should cover is if we were game designers knowing what we know now what would we change um about necrons 
to shift them more into line with the other codexes. So I know the two of you have better insights than me. However, I want to throw this out a little early, and that's attrition, right? So the idea of Necrons is that they're supposed to be this attrition-focused army that wears you down with its durability. doesn't have a lot of damage output, but that's okay. It wins in other ways. It wins with board control, attrition, good, solid troop choices, um, and it it's, it's not the way it plays right now. So I think that if you, I were to look at this army immediately from the get-go, I would look at ways for it to survive turn one and turn two better, but not make it so overpowered that in the late game, you have a hard time dealing with them. Because we actually had an issue with Necrons, if you remember back in 7th edition. 7th edition reanimation protocols were so powerful. Mm -hmm. You had the ability to re-roll wraiths, um, give them like a 4-up re-roll reanimation protocol on top of their invuln saves. Uh, They were just really really durable and a powerhouse until gw had to break the game with inari to to kind of ruin their hot streak because they were at one point in the summer they were really really powerful it was actually almost like four years ago on the dot um as i remember because they could just come out with the the um the necron decurion detachment or the, mm-hmm. the anyways doesn't matter that was that was a whole edition ago so uh that's i think there's a delicate balance there and i think the way you do that is you front load them with good, really, really good army-wide stratagems that that uh, give them a boost early on to their defenses. So um, things like uh, the resilience that Space Marines have, um, the what's it called? I can't believe I'm forgetting. A uh, transhuman physiology. Thank you. I, I think it's funny that Iron Hands do a better job necroning than Necrons do, right? Iron yeah. Hand intercessors. Mm-hmm. They stick around the board early. They know how to take a punch. Late game, they still stick around pretty well late game, but not as well. It's usually most of the intercessors are dead by the end of the game, and then you've got some unkillable dreadnought and any hiding infantry that have been go around. That's basically how Richard Siegler won all his games, but he did also win the LVO. So um, that's, I think, the first step. I think is you have to look at how attrition works in this game, and currently, it works by surviving the first two turns. And the way you do that without affecting the future turns, I think, is stratagems. Because the more you spend in command points, uh, the, the obviously you won't have them later on for later turns. But your opponent's also going to be developing resources to deal with your army as well in the first two turns. So if you just get to turn three, where you have the chance to move up the board, gain some board control... Um, that's all you need to do to get there for your attrition to start working. So I think that should be where the um, the game is or where where the um, uh, conflict is when you're playing Necrons. Is can I get them hurt before turn three before they start attritioning me, or can I survive and out um, match their uh, uh, survivability later on to the late game? I think mm-hmm. agreed. Yeah. And yeah. the yes. way I'd approach that actually is to rework some of the CP abilities around reanimation protocols. So the big disadvantage right now is if your unit's wiped out, too bad, so sad, you can't reanimate. What if there was a one CP stratagem that was after a unit's been wiped out, um, instead of removing the unit, add that many reanimation markers to a unit within six inches with the same type. Uh That way, you can take multiple... Uh, destroyer units or multiple immortal units or multiple warrior units and even if your opponent wipes one of those units out as long as you have cp you're like whatever those guys are still going to get a chance to come back they're just part of this unit now so your opponent still gets the kill for it but now the next kill they're going to go for is going to be that much harder and their opponent spends you know 
you could even do it based on power level. So if the unit was a unit of 10, it's one. And if it's a unit of 20, it's two command points to reanimate them. Um, but I feel like rewarding your opponent for taking troops or rewarding your player for taking troops and buffing reanimation at the same time seems crucial because, again, going second, you still get a chance to reanimate even if people wipe out a unit. But it also encourages you to focus multiple different units down more um, and overwhelm your opponent. So turn one, if there's only one unit you can shoot and you wipe it out, your Necrons are like, cool, I'm still going to reanimate them and I'm going to spend all this CP, I'm going to reroll the reanimates, I'm going to make it a four-up reanimate. They're back. Um, so it makes it that much harder to just grind the Necrons down, which is the whole goal. You should have to overwhelm them so that they can't reanimate fast enough to deal with you. And if you try and attrition them down, they should win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Um, Peter, what are, outside of the most common Necron units taken, uh, what are some of the ones that are, do you actually, I don't even know if you have the stat, do you have the stat that shows what uh, units people are taking, or what Necron units are being the most taken beyond the ones that are most commonly taken? So like, uh, ones that more casual players or players who are underperforming are taking maybe because they like them? I'm thinking of like the Space Marine Terminator, which even though the Space Marine Terminator is objectively bad, people still take Space Marine Terminator tournaments. I see them all the time because people just like those models. Um, I don't have that as a stat, but I can That's tell okay. you just from observation, um, the the units you kind of see in, towards the middle or bottom end for Necrons um, are Necron Warriors because um, no one runs them at a, on a top tier level. Um, the Seraptek uh, heavy construct from Forge World sees a lot of play in like a mid to low tier table because it's kind of like a worse Imperial Knight, um, but it's a big model that people and people love their big models. Um, the uh, Tesseract uh, Vault, which used to be the bane of everybody's existence, that's kind of a still a thing you'll occasionally see like uh, at like a two and three level where someone will run three of those. Um, same idea. It's like this really uh, skewed list uh, that uh, fails when it hits things like Marines that just don't care about big toughness eight models. They just kill them. Um, and then there's units that you never see, like uh, the aforementioned Flayers, um, the Obelisk, which I believe was nominated worst model in 40k <laughs> uh, in that poll by Ennis Wilson. And it was. Uh, rightfully Oof. so, because it is an absolute piece of garbage for 300 points. I was shocked at some of the units that got put on that, uh, that won some of the polls, but the, the community got it right. The Obelisk is, is an absolute pile of nothing. Um and I'm sure there's other units that I'm not even talking about because I just don't know they exist because no one has ever used them before. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you do occasionally see Warriors and Ghost Arcs. That's kind of the the lowest tier. And that's kind of, I think, a, a, a callback to, say, 6th edition when that was actually a list you could play. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. One other thing I want to talk about and kind of uh, bounce off of you guys is the Necrons HQ slot. So if you actually look at all of the HQ slots that each army has, Necrons have the fourth most HQs. They, mm. They're the second highest Xenos uh, faction with Craftworld Eldar being, you know, having more HQ choices than them, which is understandable because Craftworld Eldar have like a billion Phoenix Lords. And on top of that, they have like five different kinds of characters you can put on a Skyrunner. So uh, 
other than that, Necrons have more than almost all the Imperium armies. Um, I think Space Marines, Power Armor, I guess, Space Marines. But if you actually go outside of Codex Space Marines, the the non-Codex Space Marine factions um, don't actually have as many. Blood Angels, actually Blood Angels probably have as much. But uh, Space Wolves, Dark Angels, especially Dark Angels, Death Watch, obviously, Grey Knights, they don't have as many HQ choices as the Necron Codex has. Necron Codex has a ton of HQ choices. But we don't hear i i, I doubt i i know personally i can't name well i can name five because i run the secondhand store for frontline gaming <laughs> however before i ran the secondhand store i could never name five and i for the longest time uh have always known as the other necrons lords to be kind of obsolete kind of i've never really saw them on the tabletop um there was you know a few fringe times where you ran like mind shackle scarabs and all of a sudden you saw lords Pretty commonly taken. I- I'm sure maybe one of their named lords once had some broken ability that people abused. However, in general, I've never known the Necron lords to be these, you know, face-kicking powerhouse characters. Uh, even not not just from a combat perspective, but also just from a rules or um, uh, army buffing perspective. So mm-hmm. I-, I think that they should definitely go into some of those characters. Now, we are getting the... Uh, uh, supposedly the the Necron Emperor, the Silent King, uh, was uh, kind of teased by Games Workshop on the Warmer community page and their announcements. Um, so maybe we'll we'll see a cool Necron Lord and, come uh, up. Illuminar Zeras, we've already seen the new yep. model for him, and that looks amazing. So hopefully his updated rules uh, give him some time to shine as like yeah. the best Cryptek, yeah, uh, but ever. One one thing I noticed about Necron Lords is, um, and Necron characters in general, and I would be willing to bet that the Silent King follows this template, is that they're generally not on any mounts at all. So they're generally immobile. They're generally infantry. Uh, they have usually underwhelming, but sometimes high AP, low damage weapons, and their uh, army buffing abilities are usually related to the uh defense sometimes they're leadership focused but for the most part uh they don't have good offensive abilities attached or offensive special rules attached to their characters um and i don't think the silent king is going to break this unless he's gilliman i mean that's okay it still fits the army design of we're just going to attrition you down sure the one thing i will say pablo and i hope Mm -hmm. you're is that i hope you're wrong because i think if that's the case every necron player will literally set all of their houses on fire (laughs) Because like <laughs> they're gonna rise out of their basements. Because the lore like of the Silent Necron. King is like he's Emperor level strong, right? Like there's the Emperor of Mankind, and the Silent King is somewhere in that vicinity, right? Like he killed gods. Yeah, I was he, gonna say he took out the old ones. Like, well, no, no, he took out the the Catan, right? Like he's oh, the reason well, those, why the Catan are, are all shackled. Ones, right? because, uh, yes, that's right. Because yeah. he's a he's like this super badass. And then yeah. when he messed up and put everybody inside metal bodies, and they started losing their minds and their souls and all that other good stuff, he was like, "My bad, everybody go to sleep. I'm going to sleep too. To, and we're gonna hopefully we're gonna, everyone forgets. Yeah, and then I'm gonna wake up early, and we're gonna find some some shit to do. And like that's so I. I I would prefer I really hope that like the one thing I hope is like the Silent King is amazing. Um or at least at at worst they just take like the Nagash model from AOS and just like repackage it and write Silent King on the box. <laughs> I would buy that. I would it was, 100%. It was Nagash the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was um. Nagash the whole time. Beautiful model, put little Necron guys instead of the spirits floating around him. Money. Yeah. 
Yeah, you've printed money, GW. Yeah, but I, I think GW should go in there and and rework and primera primera size um, some Necron characters. Some primera Necron Silent issues. King, I like it. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I sincerely hope that the Silent King is as badass as his lore um, would warrant. However, GW with the with their character releases, I've I've noticed it's been very hit or miss. Um, on one hand, you get uh, characters like. Iron Father Pharos uh, and Gilliman. On the other hand, you get characters like Harkin World Claimer. Mm, he was um, amazing. Oh, he's so good. You, Does anyone even remember him anymore? <laughs> I do. I remember just, people were mad when one. they actually nerfed him, even though he was already bad. That uh, was, I think, the best part. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's just especially compared to the Space Marine characters that were named characters that just got straight flat buffs. Um, the okay. characters, the new getting characters off topic. Released. Yeah, but yes, Absolutely. Necron characters are generally garbage. Yes, so I, I th- other I than think... Emotech the Stormlord, no one runs any of them. Maybe yes. I think it's like to Hulk the Mainark guy because no one knows what Mainark does and it throws them off. Um, yeah. that's about it. Yeah, I think I think looking at the Necron Lords and kind of just uh, basically basic up updating their stat lines and maybe giving them each a better cooler weapon. Um, might not even be enough. Um, I actually would really like to see them come out with a mobile beat stick lord that has just one good buff. That's it. I think that's all they need. Um, may, hopefully his buffs help warriors, which I which I think is warriors and yep. flayed ones. I, We're in agreement. The yeah. Necron infantry are supposed to be the core of their book, and they really, really need some help. Yes. They need to be far more terrifying and far more resilient. I would yeah. love to see them bump them even from 20 to 30, or 25 even. Give them a bigger unit size so it's harder to take them out, or give them a feel-no-pain, like a 6+, plus, I mean, or both. Give Flayed Ones the same thing they gave to Scions. Every casualty is two casualties for the purposes of morale. Yes, yes. And yeah. give them, but on top of that, give them like... Um, Sixes are AP four. We'll give them like a gene stealer. They cult. used to have rending. Yeah. So give them give them something that makes it so they can actually kill a space marine. Um, and yeah, now for we're the, cooking with steam. For the, the young, young kids, race. rending was sixes to wound, ignore armor saves. But that was a long <laughs> time ago. Uh, yeah, I agree one hundred percent. All right. Uh, next faction. This is faction number four. We spent a little bit on Necrons, but that's okay. There's a lot of stuff to unpack there. Uh, number four is a faction that's uh, kind of similar in that it's, it's it's kind of an leader durable army. Um, however, it's been steadily underperforming since it came out and had a brief moment in the sun due to every faction's favorite buddy, Forge World, uh, mm-hmm. and that is the Adeptus Custodes. So, mm-hmm. Let's look at this codex in general. I think Adeptus Custodes are very, very hard single codex to balance. So um, take everything we say with a bit of grain of salt. I don't think without breaking their um, kind of feel, uh, I don't think there's a way to perfectly fix the Adeptus Custodes army. I think they're always going to have specific core issues, which we'll outline. Um, and I don't think that's going to change. However, I do think there's there's definitely ways to improve them. All right. So... Same question. First impression on Adeptus Custodes. I want to start with Peter this time, um, and then Brandon afterwards. So, Peter, first impressions with Adeptus Custodes. Uh, what are what are some highlights of the faction that you really like? What are some units that are cool? What is it in general? Why why are they on this list? What's the metal list anyway? Also, what's the metal list? Okay. So first off, Custodes are the most Mary Sue army. Every model should feel like it's a character and it should feel like it like it can take on 
four or five or more other models. That's how it should feel. Um, that's hard to balance, of course, because then it causes some issues, um, and it and it does tend to lead them to be a very skew army. Uh, to go already into the negative side of it, but like that's the feel you when you play custodies, like every, you want every model to survive ridiculous amounts of firepower and still manage to you know take out something in the in the clapback. Um, in terms of meta lists for custodies, they haven't had one in a while. Um, the big thing was always the Caladius Grav Tank, which got um, a lit, like got really bad uh, before Marines came out, and it had its kind of slight nerf. Um, but uh, just at their like zenith, when they were the top faction for about you know two three weeks, um, it was triple Caladius, triple Palace, um, uh, the the Speeder from Forge World, and then generally they would run uh, Trajan Valoris, a banner that gives everybody minus one to hit. And uh, then some uh, some of either the Aqualon Terminators or Wardens as like a Warden Bomb. That was kind of your, your list. Um, since then, we have seen occasionally the Triple Caladius list come back out and perform. Um, because if you get the right matchups, it's still a good list. It's just into uh, Marines, which are, is very popular. It just dies because um, any kind of mass AP, anything firepower gives custodies problems there they have a two-up armor and it's kind of what they rely on uh essentially across the board outside of one or two models um so anything that reduces that two-up armor reduces their survivability is that's basically all they got other than their four plus uh, invuln and uh mass firepower does it so they've they've struggled there was a list at lvo that did really well that was simply i'm going to take as many three plus and vulnerable saves as i can uh bridger han ran that and did decently well um, and that was legitimately just an entire list of guys with uh, either relics that gave them a three plus invuln, or they had storm shields. And that was the whole list. It was like twenty models, but everything had a three plus invulnerable save. And he basically did the attrition game we talked about, where he was like, "As long as I can survive, I'll stand on objectives and win." Um, and I believe he went. I want to say he went four and two. He may have gone five and one. I don't have the sheet in front of me to tell you exactly, but he did actually perform. Um, and that's kind of been it for custodies. They haven't had a lot of good showings. Their their numbers are very poor. Um, ever since Marines came out, um, they've been kind of getting dumpstered. Um, what about watch... the um, Forge World Flyer and the Telemon Dreadnought? So the Telemon Dreadnought uh, actually did perform decently well until it got nerfed um, in the Forge World uh, like redo, um, as did the Orion Gunship when uh, Forge World kind of redid their beta rules and finalized them. Um, the flyer went up in points um, enough uh, that on top of the fact that there were all these things that could kill it, the fact that they removed the, um, they made it a flyer when it used to not be, um, all of those things uh, kind of went together to make it uh, way less desirable. And then they released the gunship version, which would be great, except its main gun is is um, D3 shots, and you're paying a lot of points for D3 shots. Yeah, um, that's sad. So, like... On paper, you're like, oh, wow, it's D3 shots, strength 14, uh, like D6 plus 6 damage, I want to say, or is it D6 plus 3? Um, regardless, like it looks like it can do a number on a vehicle, but with D3 shots, like it's 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 just not worth it. Like You're paying as if it, it's always yeah. going to be 3. And it's it it should have been 3 shots and just yeah. leave it there. Um, 
so yeah, the Flyers uh, no longer really something people want because they're now Flyers instead of Super Heavies, and the fact that you know they went up a little bit in points. Um, and the Telemann, um, they had their their version of the uh, Storm Cannon nerfed significantly. Um, so so it no longer sees really any play. Um, Tyler um, Ag sometimes will field close combat ones, um, which is kind of cute because you can deep strike them. They're toughness eight, so they're a little they're very hard to kill. And uh, you know, jump that in somebody's face is 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 pretty cute. It it can do work. I've seen him pull up some okay results, um, but it's not like a top table menace. It's more of a like surprise. Look at this, and then um, it'll work or it won't. Yeah, I, I will say from a game design perspective, there's a couple other issues besides just everything is slightly less points efficient than it needs to be. One of the big issues that's secret is that their jet bikes are impossible to hide. Yeah. So for a while, you were seeing the triple jet bike plus double jet bike commander plus guy on foot with banner of minus one to hit. Yep. And the entire list was, I'm just going to run this at you and um, I'll try and kill you before you kill me and maybe it'll work. It's and Shane Watts special. It was um, it was a very strong list. I played that with Shane Watson. It was a very tight game, but it's a one trick pony. And especially if he had gone second, holy cow, mm -hmm. that that list suffers immensely. And part of the reason is that the way they're modeled, half models have their lances sticking in the air about four or five inches off the table. Yep. And almost no terrain in the game is high enough to fully block out the lance. So if you want to take a unit of six of them. You can't hide them unless you somehow model them all lance down. And then if the lance is down, the model is so long that it's also very difficult to hide. So I, I feel like if you could just model them with thunder hammers, how good that <laughs> unit would be. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, shit. Because, first of all, their damage would be flat three. Yeah. Uh, maybe strength ten. Everything um, being D3 is a, is a bit of a garbage scenario for... And they'd be so much easier to hide because the thunder hammer is way smaller. So you had me at hello, Brandon. Keep talking. Um, on on top of that, um, a lot some of their abilities work really well. Like Tanglefoot is such a great mm -hmm. ability for this army because they suffer so much from being outnumbered. And Tanglefoot allows you to say, actually, not that unit. You have to leave them behind. Um, and sometimes it can even be used to prevent enemies from fleeing combat, which is crazy. Um, and then the stooping dive strat, where you can countercharge your enemy in their charge phase great stuff but again the troops units for custodies are just not there they're no. not that good um you can go to the forge world version with the guys that shoot heavy bolters um at 36 inches but i just feel that their troop units are so not designed well because yes they have guns yes they have melee they're slow they're expensive they're not particularly good at anything they're trying to be elite models but they don't feel like it they feel like they get gunned down too easily hmm. so i don't know i feel like the two things that are lacking in the codex are um after the points efficiencies are their troops are lackluster they need cp to do these special abilities um they could probably use some cp abilities with more options so that would be where i'd start if i was updating them is let's make their troops way more interesting because yeah, it's a troop's choice, but basically, like Peter said, they're all characters. So how can we make them feel like that, even though they're a troop's choice? Yeah, so actually, uh, I have one kind of fix that I've actually been talking about 
with people and, and kind of um, putting out there for a long time. And I'm just curious to hear what your both of your thoughts on are on it. Uh, so the Custodes, I have actually always thought that the Custodes' biggest problem as a codex was uh, their their lack of customizability right so like they're not they're not all very flexible either these are supposed to be the emperor's best warriors you know designed to to go out and vanquish any enemy they've all had thousands of years of experience in the palace and each of them is supposed to be like a master at their respective crafts this isn't just combat but also they're supposed to be like master artisans like there's probably a custodes uh, in the Terra in Terra right now, who's just really fucking good at Warmer 40k. Like he's yeah. created the simulation. He's probably the nerdiest one. You know, he's sipping his Custodes version of Mountain Dew, and he's just so good we at get Warmer it, Pablo. 40k. Mary Sue, <laughs> we got it. it. But but that but that's that's how I've always thought of them is that each of them is supposed to be each model each uh, Custodes is supposed to be like uh, a master right at something right not beyond combat. So what I think. Uh, GW should do is I don't think they need stats buffs. Um, I think unfortunately I think they've reached the limitation for what their models represent stats wise. They have a two up save. They have their T five. They have a, a plenty of wounds for what what they are. Um, but I think that GW should go in the direction of what Tyranids have with their mutations uh, or what even uh, Space Marines have in veteran intercessors. Um, there are already stratagems in the in in the uh, rules that buff a unit and kind of give you a level of flexibility so like one simple example would be like um uh masters of masters of lightning or masters of the lightning strike or something um where you can spend one cp give it to a unit of custodian guard and then give them the ability to uh, shoot and charge after they run giving them some extra mobility um or giving a character the ability to um I don't know, uh, buff everyone around with reroll once hit and a wound w- without Trajan being able to do that. Just so- something something where you could call them like like they specialize in this and, and they're very cool. It not only gives more casual players who like painting their armies um, options for customizability, they can say like, oh, these are these are the Storm Riders of Terra and they're the fastest jet bikes in the land uh, and then they're painted to be like that too. It gives them some kind of character. Yeah, full they have flavor. that in the lore, right? It's called the that hosts, would be right? amazing. They, they, the shield hosts, and each they, shield they, host is a, is specialized. Yeah, in something. but they don't have that. They don't have no, chapters. This but is they should. They should. No, and, think about being able to spend a CP to give a Blood Angels character the Death Company keyword. Yeah, but imagine yeah. that army wide, kind of like the tank ace abilities for guard, where you yeah. pick from a list. Just have a limited number of units that all take these specializations during um, either army list construction or during deployment, whichever. I, I'd do it during army construction, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I would do it dur- during deployment. I think it would, if you wanted to make them better, I would say do it during deployment so that players have flexibilities. Um, but if you wanted to keep it more lore-friendly, I think uh, while army construction, I think that's probably the yeah, way Yeah, and that's fine. And I, I think this is something I've actually talked with other people about. I would love to see shield hosts in the, their psychic awakening. We haven't seen their psychic awakening yet. There's like little rumors here and there about what they're getting, but um shield hosts would be incredible. And if you could mix and match in a list as like the lore would kind of indicate you should be able to, um that would be incredible. Like if you had shadow keepers that maybe had some kind of uh stealth bonus, kind of like Raven Guard, um or if you had um 
like dread host um that was just like all in they get a plus two to charge or something like that plus one to charge even plus one to advance and charge something that makes it a little more reliable for them to deep strike in and and get off a charge without relying on a three cp if my banner is in the right spot i can do this Mm -hmm. um these are all things that would would really help custodies um because yeah like they are a little too vanilla when the codex first came out i will say they did feel like i think they were supposed to feel um there was the game wasn't as killy yet like eldar were very killy eldar were kind of like the custodies bane you didn't like seeing them across the table but most other armies like the amount of firepower they had to put into you it still felt fine like uh, if you got surrounded by 30 orc boys and you only had three guard, there was a chance those 30 orc boys, a very good chance, they killed nobody, right? And then you started wallop- walloping them back, and it felt it felt really good. Um, but we've lost that as the game has kind of gotten more and more into you know, heavy firepower that's high AP consistently, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah so some yeah, kind of it, customizability it, would be incredible. And here's the best part, right? You could throw out a white dwarf next month three pages, 16 new stratagems, each, um, you know, each kind of stratagem affecting specific kinds of units or, or generalizing doesn't really matter. And you won't have to worry about what it does to the codex. It, the stratagem mechanic already itself balances itself out. You could release a hundred new stratagems tomorrow and it would be still pretty, pretty balanced because CP is limited, right? Unless your stratagems are absolutely game breaking. Um, you know, yeah, like, and as long as you can't put six CP of stratagems in one unit and make it yeah, do two thousand right. points and, of damage, yeah, and even then, that's like, like uh, obviously stacking buffs is something that they've been avoiding, which I think is good as long as you don't have a stratagem to stack. But even like the best stratagems, like the um the uh, Dark Eldar Vect stratagem that they had to nerf, even that stratagem isn't like absolutely game break it's limited to one faction it's really powerful but even that stratagem is like uh, it, it wouldn't it, let's just say for instance if if you were to give any of these five codexes in this podcast that stratagem it wouldn't magically make them better than space rings like not even close right no. so so uh, i think i think that'd be good if they just release those stratagems you could have cool fluffy narrative reasons behind all of them like the the shadow keepers and and you know whatever make yeah. up make up some custodian regiments the, here's what i would ask if we do that and i then i think this is a perfect stew i'm all in you had me at a low give them some kind of elite cp bonus cuz they cost so much if you if but if only if you oh run my God, mono yes. if you run mono custodies or like custodies with sisters of silence give them an extra 3 cp like knights or 5 <laughs> just say it you yeah. ran them here you go here's 3 to Make 5 their battalions extra cp, 8 CP. yeah I, bam I, what i would really like is maybe if you have a pure custodies army you get 5 cp but you can only spend this cp on these upgrades? specific up- upgrades. Yes. Oh, yeah, so I think like... across the board for every army, we should take the Gene Stealer Cult approach, which is if they take Allied Guard, the Guard don't produce as much CP. Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, yeah, but just something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think there's I think we've given GW enough to play with here. Yeah, GW um, do it tomorrow. <laughs> uh, other than that, I don't think very much else. There's actually very much else we need to do to Custodes. Um, maybe give them a little bit more weapon options, but I know that's a modeling issue. They, they've um, got a lot of weapon options out of Forge World. Uh, they're yeah. just not good. Like, yeah, like yeah. For, the... Forge World helped them out um, from their uh, from a uh, variety standpoint. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's remove the Forge World though. Put them all okay. in regular. Let's do it. Yeah. Anyway. All right.
Next next faction uh, is going to be number three, and this is Peter's absolute favorite faction. Uh, and unfortunately, we're doing two Imperium factions in a row, but that's okay. They're bad for different reasons. These are Dark Angels. Mm, so the garbage army. The worst, arguably, and, and obviously we're no making argument. that argument, power armor faction in the game, the worst space marine faction in the game, the even worst worse Primark. than Death Watch. <laughs> <laughs> worst, worst color scheme <laughs> worst hygiene just you guys know i use split archangels <laughs> what ah, yeah. <laughs> it's and we still love you yeah branded that's anyways uh, i guess jo- that says a lot <laughs> <laughs> joking aside uh dark angels are not in a great spot right now um we've seen we've seen lists come out we've seen people talk about how to make dark angels good there it's it's i feel like out of all five of the armies on this in this list i feel like dark angels are the closest to making that like that push to being out of this list or being one of the better units because every time i look at the codex i see good stuff they mm-hmm. their kind of general idea is good they've got the buffs they've got the right units they're obviously space marines um so what is holding them back so we're going to go to brandon now brandon is uh our resident dark angel player on the podcast currently <sighs> brandon what's what's keeping dark angels from hitting that that next level uh, and making them competitive uh, or is it simply just comparing them to space marines are they you know what what's the deal here so for one thing i think that the way they handled the chapter tactic for this edition has been subpar so in previous editions they had abilities like never take morale penalties for leadership which is kind of cool and they did that a bit with the uh, deathwing keyword they're basically fearless fearless but having to hold still to get a reroll one to hit for Space Marines, really? Space Marines have how many characters you talked about that give auras of reroll ones to hit um, or reroll all to hit rolls? So having a chapter tactic that you just take a Space Marine captain and you have that, but better because you could move and use it, it's just so sad. Um, they definitely needed a chapter tactic that better. Um, it, it better got the point across that these guys don't give up easily. They don't want to retreat instead of if we hold still, we shoot better. Um, number one. Number two, the chapter is supposed to have a lot of synergy between their regular um, their their regular units, so just tactical marines, predators, that sort of thing, and their special units, the Raven Wing and the Death Wing. And there's supposed to be a lot of synergy between how those units work on the table where if you have these units and these units team up, then you get a bonus. And in the old edition, it was things like um, you could have your uh, reserves that arrived on the table arrive precisely if they were Deathwing and they were landing near Ravenwing that had started on the table in that position, which was really cool because it made sense, okay, the bikes are going forward, now they're calling in reinforcements. This is really cool. Um, and you could have multiple pushes of bikes, and then your opponent would have to deal with each one or whichever bike got through. That was where your reinforcements would show up. All kinds of stuff like that. And I feel like Dark Angels really don't have much synergy right now. Now, the latest buff to Dark Angels definitely helped. So some of the Ravenwing abilities in particular that came out in Vigilus are pretty cool. Like having the ability to fall back after swinging from melee. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um but altogether, the uh, the codex feels like a bunch of different abilities that do not synergize very well, unlike the other Space Marine chapters. 
This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh, go ahead, Peter. Sorry. I, I was just going to say, and and uh, to, to kind of follow up, like Psychic Awakening, I think, addressed a lot of this. Uh, not a lot. It addressed a good amount of this because you get that like Ravenwing strat where you can better drop your Deathwing squad. Um, you get a couple other uh, little cute tricks. Um, but when it came, um, the reason why I didn't kind of push Dark Angels into a better spot is something that Brandon mentioned, you know, pre-show, and it is that um, we're in a world where power armor is so good that, and it's so easy to mix and match. Like, why play the power armor faction that's not as good? Like, Dark Angels are probably better than a lot of factions uh, that are above them statistically, but why would you play them when you can play Iron Hands that basically do what they do but better, or White Scars that kind of do what they do but better, or Raven Guard? Like, all these factions that play similarly, but on a just a, a better level than they currently do um, outside of one or two tricks. Yeah, you're yeah. not really um, gaining very much from the Dark Angels chapter tactics is the root cause of the problem. Because you're getting all the same Space Marine units, but the abilities you're getting on top of them are what make them really shine. And the Dark Angels' abilities on top just aren't there. So, Peter, what would you say or what would be your approach to polishing the turd that is Dark Angels to a point where someone might reasonably consider playing them or Salamanders even? Hmm. Oh, don't get me started on the salamanders. That's a whole different thing. That's. <laughs> but what that's I'm saying story. is, I, I think I'd take salamanders before I'd take dark angels at this point. I agree, and I think part of it is just like you said. I think dark angels have a terrible, uh, a yeah, let's say a terrible chapter tactic, and what started as a decent doctrine, but because of the nerfs that had to be made to make imperial fists and iron hands like legitimately not uh, oppressive um they took a hit on their doctrine too so they kind of have essentially like the worst doctrine well, I shouldn't say the worst one of the worst doctrines and the worst chapter tactic of everything power armor so i would really look at addressing those two things and coming up with something better um the iron hands doctrine i feel should just be what dark angels got as a chapter tactic they should be they can move and shoot without penal they can move and shoot uh without penalties and reroll ones to hit just they just do it or at least if you're going to give them a buff for holding still make it not stack with all the other abilities that space marines get anyway yeah so even something as weak as the sixes to wound or one better ap would be better than reroll ones simply because it's harder to get yeah so I kind of want to take a different approach to fixing Dark Angels than either of you. Um, you know, and I think that I see this argument a lot online. A lot of people focus on their chapter tactics, uh, their doctrines, their stratagems, the, the things that they give, the buffs that they give uh, to units that every Space Marine Codex has access to. Things like, um, like 
aggressors and, and impulsors, et cetera, et cetera. But I think people do a really terrible job of focusing on what makes them special compared to the rest of the Space Marine codexes, right? And I actually think GW, I, I think this affects GW's decision-making when they're making rules. They focus so hard on making all the Space Marine codexes uniform, especially in 8th edition, that now it almost feels like the identities that made those Space Marine codexes cool have kind of fallen by the wayside. Mm -hmm. They've gone back to a little bit with Blood Angels and Space Wolves. Um, more Blood Angels than Space Wolves. Blood Angels very much feel like like the big, bad, aggressive, in-your-face, you know, high-flying, cool assault army. Um, and they've done a better job with Iron Hands, Imperial Fists, Salamanders, who very much had their identities kind of refleshed out to being beyond just simply their characters, like uh, Vulcan, right? Like they're, mm -hmm. they're more than just their characters now. They're these fleshed out codexes. What makes Dark Angels so cool is that they're essentially three factions in one. Their whole gimmick should be, how do I make this army uh, work around Ravenwing and Deathwing. Ravenwing and Deathwing should be the equivalent of regiments of renown from War of Fantasy. They should be the absolute best, most unique versions of their specific unit type. Ravenwing should be the best Space Marine bikes. Deathwing should be the best Space Marine Terminators. They're not too far off of that mark. I actually think Ravenwing and Deathwing are pretty good. If you were to remove points, remove special rules, and look at them in a vacuum, I think that they are better... Maybe not the best. Uh, Grey Knight Paladins are probably better than Deathwing Terminators. Ravenwing uh, Bikers, I think, are probably the best bikes. Although maybe uh, an, a tricked-out company veteran squad in, on bikes uh, from the Index would have been better. Although those are dead now, so... You yeah. Know, eh. But... For the most part, I that's what I always felt the identity should be. The reason why GW hasn't focused on them is because Ravenwing and Deathwing need to have high points costs because you don't want them being spammed. That not only goes against the 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 fluff and lore, but also uh, it can break the game. You don't want your expensive units, your big powerful units, to be spammed. Obviously, where I think you can actually fix that and an angle that JW has actually never taken, which I'm I'm shocked by, has been why don't you make why don't you uh make them easier to field an army of what a Dark Angel army should look like, meaning one maybe two Ravenwing, one maybe two Deathwing squads, period, and then the rest of the list should just be a Dark Angels kind of vanilla, maybe some Rhinos, maybe some Tactical Marines, basic stuff to support it to make sure that you have some board control. Well, now, Pablo, what it sounds like you're saying to me is make it so that you're in, you have buffs and abilities, maybe CP abilities, psychic powers, what have you, huh. so that you can make one unit really good, uh, but taking more than one unit after that isn't nearly as good. Kind of. You're, you're on the right track. My, my suggestion kind of falls in those lines, although I want to move away from the buffing. I actually think they have some good synergies between Deathwing and Ravenwing, and I actually think Deathwing and Ravenwing have all the tools they need to do well. Uh, what I think they should do, and this might seem sound crazy because it's going to be a very specific example, is they should encourage a very specific type of detachment or a very specific type of army list. And that is, if you, they should give them a rule, a special rule, uh, maybe call it like Deathwing Command or Ravenwing Command, or I don't know, whatever you want to Death call Wing it. Deathwing Battle A company. custom detachment. Sure, but, um, and I normally don't like custom detachments, but Anyways, a rule that makes it so if you take exactly one of each, one Ravenwing unit, one Deathwing unit, make it so that their upgrades are free. 
or something that makes the that specific mm. unit points efficient. Mm. I, I know that sounds crazy, but it means you we don't have to worry about before. spamming. What's up? We we did this before. So, so yeah, it was called Battle off, Company. Mm. First off, Battle Company was army wide and was uh allowed you to take multiple multiple free points. Right, same thing with the uh Admech detach the Admech army list. The um, yes. uh, what what's it called the Mechanicals. I forgot. Anyways, in seventh edition, there was an army, um, an Advent army list. Yeah, exactly. Where where every upgrade was free, and they gave you hundreds and hundreds of points, uh, for free. However, if you look at the Deathwing and the Ravenwing respectively, their upgrades, and if you were to give them the maximum amount of upgrades they could take, I I will bet. What, this podcast that they won't their point the free points you get won't nearly match the free points you got from that admec list or the battle company probably not even close and you're still limited to one unit that unit gets wiped out you're fucked you that the unit's gone you lost a big part of your synergy um and that's still that happens right now constantly uh your ravenwing gets you off the board your deathwing as soon as they come down they die sometimes they'll get killed by tau early but if you do this, at least if they stick around, they'll they'll be point sufficient, and you'll have the rest of an army to build around them. So, I, like I said, I know it's kind of I know it's kind of crazy, but it's kind of wonky. I, yeah. I, I I agree, although I don't think it'll be that big of an impact as as maybe you think, because I know free points is kind of like taboo. Like, oh no, we're we're talking about demon summoning now and free transports. Yeah. Pablo, but, I actually like your suggestion from Custodes better. Just give them CP abilities to the, outfit them. The thing is, is they have they already the Dark Angels Codex kind of already has stuff like that. You have transhuman physiology. You have the ability to um, no, give no, them like pregame. So during deployment or during uh, this building, they're already specialized. Though I guess you're right. Um, I don't. I don't. And and to be fair, there's not a whole lot of upgrades you can take. Yeah, like there, there is. Period. Like, yeah, so it's like not really going to do that much. Swap except out their Corvus hammer. Maybe they take melted bombs. Yeah, we, we also want to avoid rules bloat, like so the more things we get that, that work similarly across Codex, the simpler it will be so we don't have to buy 12 Codexes again. Yeah. What's even funnier is I think that if even if you did this, if you if you did implement this rule that I suggested tomorrow, I don't actually think it'll put Dark Angels in no, that much better of a problem. spot. That's, th- that's what's so funny, though, is is I, I don't know. I, I, I think that would make them better. Um and I actually think that you could probably come up with a really cool list with that and the good Dark Angels characters. And I'm not good enough with the faction to say that that would fix them and make them better. But I do think that would be a huge step in the right direction is focusing on on that specific style of list is one Deathwing unit, one Ravenwing unit, probably a large unit, and making their impact to the list building as minimal as possible while making their impact to the army, uh, to the game itself as high as possible. That feels yep. very dark angel-y. Um, I, I feel agree. like that would buff them, but maybe in free points isn't the right answer. Maybe there's another yeah. thing that you and the com- you dark angels players in the comment section probably will tell me. <laughs> anyway, I think, I think we've beat this dead horse to death now. All right. F- uh, Peter, do you want anything else? No, to add dark to that? angels are terrible. Stop playing them. Okay, cool. No, moving on. Just fix Ravenwing okay, and Deathwing. Do that. Moving on. I, <laughs> all right, number two. This is a chaos faction. We've we haven't had a chaos faction list in this list. Don't worry. I know there's a ton of you come 
probably have already jumped to the comment section talking about why your Chaos Codex is bad, and I actually think a lot of Chaos single factions are, are not in a great spot. They're the best soup, I think, in my opinion, even better than Imperium. I think Chaos Soup is the best soup you can make, uh, but think their single faction lists are are pretty subpar although this one uh, i'm picking as the worst um not because i think it's necessarily the worst but because it is the worst performing one and it is perceived to be the worst um maybe chaos demons might edge it out i think i think you could maybe make an argument for chaos demons however uh chaos demons have always kind of had this really strong presence in metas uh, going back to sixth, and generally because they've had good um, troops and 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 I mean we yes. could probably do an hour long uh, show about how bad chaos demons are now because most of the troops have become like not worth it, but like that's a whole mm-hmm. other thing. But yeah. that's not but, what you picked. But this isn't what I picked. What I picked was Death Guard. So hear me out. Death Guard are actually you could make an argument that Death Guard are secretly counter meta, secretly OP. Um, put in the right hands. They're, um, in my opinion, not the worst single Chaos faction. However, the reason why I put them on this list is because their codex and the perception around them is is really is really negative. They kind of have the same problems that Necrons do in that their their ability is supposed to be resilience, except they're actually resilient. Their issue is that just they're so vanilla. They're, once you take away their Primarch, there's one of the lamest kind of codexes you can run. They've they've got like these durable tanks that can like. Spit they have some slime. good offensive abilities too, like the mortal wound bomb. They they where do. You they throw have, grenades. Yeah, they're play grenade bomb, and they have the ability to blow up. They have a, a lot of actually good things going for them. Um, but I think that what you're actually saying is that the Codex feels less than fleshed out. It feels like it's supposed to be a detachment in a larger Chaos army that provides the support that the Death Guard by themselves do not have. Exactly. So what kind of support would Death Guard need that other Codexes can provide for them in the soup? Yeah, so first let me give you my first impression of them real quick. So quick, build me a Death Guard list. Sure. Now take out Mortarian. Now limit every unit to two. Oh no even troops yes oh well well i guess you could have three troops no even troops you can take two troops the point i'm trying to make is, is that um death guard lists kind of limit themselves uh internally to like spam right they they just there's well, not enough flexibility and variety in my opinion in the codex to warrant uh the kind of fleshed out internally balanced army that i think a codex should be uh and Mm. what i mean by that is that their vehicles all kind of have similar roles um they're very durable but they don't do a lot they don't they don't have kind of like a cool role beyond being resilient um they have like neat little tricks that do work and that are very efficient they're just i think they suffer from a very efficient kind of very bland play style um and i think that hurts them uh on the tabletop and in sales as well uh their characters are beyond Mortarian are very suboptimal. They don't have any fast characters. They're, they don't have a whole lot of speed in general, uh, and they don't have a lot of ranged shooting. They're not a very dynamic army. Um, they can deep strike too. I guess they can deep strike Terminators, slow Terminators, um, which is neat, but uh, they're also not performing very well. Uh, so before I kind of talk about fixing them, Peter, 
why are they why they're not bad i i don't think i don't think um we would say that they're like an awful coach but why are they performing so poorly uh at tournaments um because i think as a, a mono faction they uh people this is what I'll say about Death Guard. This is what I think. This is my uh, honest opinion. When you look at the lists that come out for Death Guard, outside of a very small few people who generally are running them um, as part of a, like a multi-faction list with Chaos, like a TJ Lanigan or a Don Hoosen um, um, or Mark Perry, someone like that, you generally only see, you see Death Guard in very small amounts because they're taking like one or two particular units. They're taking Plague Burst Crawlers because they're so defensible. Um, or they're taking Mortarian because he's a big boss, um, or they're taking um, Possessed because uh, Death Guard Possessed are, can take advantage of all the buffs every other Possessed can, and you can put a million of them on them, but they're a little more durable. Um, like, But that's really it. You don't see a full list. When you do see full lists, um, they are often like, I bought two halves of, of two starter sets, and here oh, I am, so. right? <laughs> Like yeah. that's it because Death Guard were the other half of the starter set for Eighth Edition. So you get a lot of people that are running. You know, I've got my twenty Plague Marines, and I've got some Poxwalkers. I've got some Mephitic Blight Haulers, and uh, the end, right? And they nobody even knows. And what they're those trying are. to make lists off that, and it's and it uh, it just doesn't work out. The other thing you'll see are people mimicking lists that they saw perform a long time ago and they either don't have the skill to play that list the meta has changed so the list isn't very good um or that list was never good to begin with and it was player skill that carried it the entire way um an example being um like a, a, a number of don Hoosen's lists i've said his name twice now so if i say it a third time he will appear behind me um luckily he has a child so it'll take him a few minutes but um uh like those lists when he plays a list i see them everywhere afterwards cuz he is like some kind of messiah for death guard players so whenever he like posts on his little like whatever um, myspace blog about his next list and how he's do how he's testing it literally every tournament for like the next month and a half i'll see two or three of that list show up um and never performs well uh, uh, ever other than his bao list had a couple decent showings after him well it performs reasonably well that's what in i mean hands. but like but all these other people that it, bring it like because they've they've read his myspace blog they know what he's doing uh they went to his porn hub page anyway they're like they're not getting anything out of it they don't uh, but uh, but that and that's that's just a thing where it's kind of a player skill versus like what these people are trying to build this list to do um and i think the play style doesn't match what some of the players are hoping it would be and that's the that's the the downfall of of death guard yeah and Admittedly, Don's also very good at creating a list really focused on one concept. Yeah. So they're very skewed lists. And I think Death Guard is good at that because you can, for example, take nothing but Plague Marines that have flails in their unit sergeants. And then you can just be like, cool, my army will delete hordes if I ever get to touch them, for example. So you can make these really cool skew lists. But I think Pablo had it, for, had it right and you have it right as well. It doesn't feel like the... U there's enough unit entries or enough roles in the Death Guard Codex on its own to create a complete balanced breakfast army with just the Death Guard Codex. So what kind of units, if we were a game designer, or what kind of abilities would we add to make it feel more fleshed out? Uh, so I already have an answer for this. If Peter or Brandon... If Give it, Pablo. If I go first. And it better go not be make so, Ravenwing cheap. 
No, no, no. The, I promise it's not three points. <laughs> so uh, first, I, I have a question for you, you both, because I don't absolutely know the answer to, and that's they have access to like Helldrakes and and our Lord Discordance, right? Like yes, in their code, like you could just take them in a pure Death Card Codex, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy. Okay, I thought so, but anyways, uh, I I want to see rules that make that that uh, reward you for taking vanilla chaos space marine units so uh things that go beyond like blowing up your vehicle for free or or not for free but blowing up your vehicle automatically and making this thing more tough the whole idea behind nurgle is that it's nurgle's supposed to be uh, evolving plagues you know this constant uh looming attrition threat you know uh there's it's supposed to suffocate you it's supposed to make you feel things beyond just being mm. hard to kill right and there's this whole element make that's completely missing yeah right or, or right like augmentation is supposed to be a kind of nurgle thing as well too so what i would love to see is some stratagems that uh revolve around making synergies uh between non-death guard codex and death guard codex units viable right so maybe something like uh one a Heldrake. Uh, flames a unit it gives plague marines plus two to advance and charge when moving towards that unit right something like call it like un like plague flame or something i don't know whatever so, right but sorry uh, I, I think i agreed with you earlier and i meant not to so they can't take Heldrakes or lord discordance they have to ally those in. Oh, okay. but continue well, first of okay. all give them the ability to take that please boom <laughs> done and done i think second of all i kind of get where you're coming from pablo I, I would love for some maybe vehicle-mounted weapons to have some sort of lasting effect when they hit an enemy unit that helps yeah. other Death Guard keyword units to continue fighting. So whether that's you can close the distance and reroll your charge or uh, minus one toughness or plus one to wound when Death Guard units are attacking you for that phase, whatever it is, that would be nice to have more plague-like sim- yeah. synergies between the Death Guard one units. Thing, also, one thing... Recently, there was like a, a white dwarf or uh, some kind of like mail out that had new death guard stratagems for a specific um, zone mortalis or something. One of them was uh, like it was like one CP if you hit a unit with a plague grenade or something, um, the unit permanently lost one armor. That seems mm. well, super gross. cool and very nergly. And it doesn't have to be permanent. If you wanted to make it matched play, you can say one CP if you successfully wound this target with a plague spitter, bam, minus one armor for the rest of the round. That's something that's unique um, and to and very plaguey, and I like it. Do that. Or at least yeah. make it minus one armor against Death Guard units. Mm, yep. Uh, yeah. So uh, another suggestion I have is... Um, they're supposed to feel the effects of battling with Nurgle is you're supposed to have some permanent kind of side effects or, or things that happen to you, right? You're supposed to you're not supposed to come from it yeah, unscathed you get rashes because and yeah, yeah, <laughs> rashes and, and scars. Just like hanging out with Frankie but, at LVO, you end up with rashes yeah. after. <laughs> exactly, um, or shaking everyone's hand like, in Concord. Anyways, the point is, is that. Uh, it doesn't feel that way now. There's no you, you fight Nurgle. They're hard to kill. Uh, that's it. They don't they don't have very much sticking power. So I think I think would be kind of cool and kind of a cool mechanic to introduce into uh, 40k in general is the idea of like 
giving your opponent hard choices by spending CP. So let me give you an example. Let's say when you get shot by a Plague Burst Crawler's like evil disease engine gun or whatever, right? Um, you have minus one to hit the unit that got hit. Maybe if you lost a model or lost a wound, you're minus one to hit until you spend one CP to remove it. So this kind of this can kind of represent a Nurgle's um, ability to affect leadership on the battlefield in a different way, right? So like. Uh, I think flat-out CP removal is probably a bad idea. That's why the Calexus Assassin, like, that ability is so rare and so mm-hmm. limited. However, giving your opponent the option to choose that might be something you can do. Maybe limit it to a stratagem or a once-per-game so that you don't have you don't have an opponent's entire army affected so quickly because that might be overpowered. However, CP is a resource, and it's something... It's a resource that people have been fruitfully gaining you know, and farming. However, it hasn't been a resource that has been attacked very often. For the most part, CP has been a safe haven. CP has been something you can rely on every single game with the exception of the odd rare Calexus Assassin. So why not make an entire faction's kind of subplot be just a little bit about targeting your opponent's CP? Not talking like wholesale Mm -hmm. removing command points at the start of the game, but just something that gives your opponent... Um, hard choices or more choices that they might need to make with their command points like giving a unit a permanent debuff or a semi-permanent debuff that needs to have command points to remove it. Something like that. I like the idea of um, them testing your army's cohesion. Um, so it's not morale. You're not running away from them. But your army morale, uh, your army cohesion is being degraded by how they're corrupting your guys. Yeah. Like your 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 dudes are sick. They might not listen. They might be able to listen to a command. They're sneezing. Yep. How how do you expect them to be able to reroll once to hit? <laughs> you know, if they're they're like sneezing it. and coughing. Anyways. Something like that could definitely make them more unique yeah. in terms of them attacking your CP somehow. And yeah. it needs to feel fun and dynamic. So your opponent can't just be like, "Well, I lost five CP round one. I guess I'm going to not have any abilities yeah. anymore." Yeah, I think I think it should be I think you should be able to you should have to jump through hoops to do it. I don't think it should be something as simple as like a stratagem or a psychic power. It should definitely be like this unit, maybe even like a relic on characters or something, but this unit had to do something to do to your opponent's unit. But uh, if you do that, you can make them even more powerful. So like another cool thing might be if this character maybe you could make a, a give a character a cool gun and if this gun wounds uh, puts a wound on a unit, that unit can no longer be affected by buffs, no longer be affected by warlord traits, stratagems, etc. All of a sudden, that unit is... is Or just make it so that the next time you would use a CP ability on them, it costs one more. Sure, you can do that too. There, there's a lot of flexibility with this mechanic, which is why I call it a mechanic more than just a, adding a couple rules um, that you could use. So uh, I think something like that, and also, dear God, they should be able to take Heldrakes. I don't know why they... Space Marines can now take basically every Space Marine unit. They can ally them. What's up? They can ally them. Uh, I know, but we're trying to be fluffy bunnies here. I think I I like it. I think another thing you could do, but you'd have to be very careful, um, is just give them a mechanic, if you're running mono Death Guard, um, where the longer the game, like every round, um, your opponent gets progressively worse. Kind of like an opposite of... It's a tally man yeah, built in. But similar to like the the witch like witches get, right? Like uh, with uh, power from pain or whatever. Ooh. Um just but on the opposite side. So like round one it's nothing. Round two maybe they get like a leadership neg- uh, negative or something that not not great. But you know, by round six, um they're like minus one uh to wound or something like that. 
plus one to wound with yeah, weapons. and it just gets so like it's not just something that buffs the the death guard, but it, it you you see penalties on the opponent side. I think that would be something cute to 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 give them a buff that also feels very flavorful. Yeah, I, I think you guys have nailed it. Something is missing to really get across how filthy these guys are and how debilitating it is just to have them and on make the plague marines too. Yeah. So just do it. Even oh yeah, that would be amazing. But oh, um, I think you guys have good ideas for hey, if we have a full death guard army, even um, it should be harder and harder and harder to fight these guys the longer you're around them. Somehow. All right, moving on to the final faction. Number one. Now, you might think when I announce this faction that it is not, it does not belong on this list, and that's your opinion as this is mine, so you might be right. However, right. no one can deny this faction's fall from grace. It went from being one of the consistent top performing factions in 8th edition to arguably the worst performing faction, or not the worst performing faction, but arguably the worst faction and easily one of the worst performing factions currently in the game. Uh, as Peter said, it went from a 55% win ratio to a 45% win ratio, which is a pretty big drop. If you were to take that in any direction to any army, that would be that would be a big scale. That would be a, a big effect on the army, and you'd have to look at where that army went, where it went wrong or went right. So this army is Imperial Knights. Not just Imperial Knights, though but also Chaos Knights, Renegade Knights, Knights in general. Now, they're a super hard army to balance, and I've been playing them for a very long time. I've been playing them since basically since they came out. I bought a knight immediately, and I've been working them into my Imperium list and running solo knight lists basically ever since they've came out. Um, I have a lot of experience with them as a faction as a whole and their rules in general. Uh, I know a lot about their history. I've actually looked into a lot of their lore as well. They're super cool. They're probably my second favorite faction behind Ultramarines. And I have a lot of opinions on them. So I'm going to let Peter and, and Brandon talk about them first. However, I want to talk about why they're on this list. They're hard, they're hard army to balance. Uh, we get that. They're always going to be a skew list. They're a lot like Custodes, but even more skew. Uh, they're always going to, especially pure knight lists, they're always going to have... Uh, uh, very debilitating skew styles of play that make it so that they're not naturally going to be good at things like objectives, uh, like board control, um, etc., etc. They're going to be weak to efficient armies that can kill them. Um, and I, I don't think you're ever going to be able to fix knights. Um, I think that's a very difficult thing to do. Now, having said that, I do think there are ways to improve them, um, which I'll get into a little bit later. And uh, the reason why they're on this list is the, the, I think that they need more. I think that there's just, they need more from a competitive standpoint. They need more from a rules standpoint. Um, they've got a bad rep already. Uh, they're, they're basically behind Tau in lists and armies that have bad reps. Like, uh, Tower number one, obviously everyone hates Tau. However, uh, Knights are always a close second. Everyone's like, ah, oh, he brought Knights. He's a, he's an OP cheese spamming player. Uh, he's a power gamer, a whack player who only brings knights because my tactical marines and my captain can't power sword the knight to death. Um, I get that. They, they are a very polarizing kind of faction. So I don't think they belong at 45% win rates, though, because they're so popular. So 
Peter and Brandon, what are your first impressions of the Knight faction? What do you think they kind of stand for as a faction in general? And uh, what are your some immediate problems that you see with the faction uh, systemically or otherwise um, that are kind of the reason why they're at this low... Well, Peter, if you don't mind, I have something already do lined it. up for this. Do it. Um, so the highest placing Chaos Knights player happens to live in Orange County. His name's Zach Thacker from the Big LVS. Red! And he actually went 5-1 and one at LVO with a pure Chaos Knights list. And his list, very approximately, is um, three Iconoclast Knights, two of which are the lone guys they can get special abilities, all with double thermal melta cannons. And uh, at least two of them have the indirect fire dorsal gun. Um, D6 shot, strength 5, AP2, long range, ignores cover. Or no, it's AP1 damage 2. That's it. Um, and then he had seven armagers, all with double lightning cannons. So the lightning cannons are 12 shots per night, AP1, 1 damage, strength 7, Tesla. So on sixes to hit, you get a bonus hit. Um, or two. Um, and all the baby knights, when he took them to LVO, were um, the one where you can juice them up when you take more wounds on yourself. Either way, um, I thought this was a really, really cool list for knights because, one, um, knights really struggled with dealing with enemy vehicles that could blow them up, like repulsor executioners at that time. And uh, triple melt a knight will definitely delete some vehicles, and from pretty good distance, 36 inches plus 12 inches move on the knights. All three of them can move forward, turn one, be arranged to the table, and delete really important threats, which is great. But the other thing knights struggle with is infantry and screening and hordes. Um, and having seven armager knights that all shoot 12 times at 36 inches is actually really cool. Um, and when I practiced against him, those armager knights basically picked up all the guardsmen that they could possibly see every wow. turn. So I think that's about as good of a Chaos Knights list as you can get. But again, the problems for knights come down to they really don't deal efficiently with enemy infantry at range and they're vulnerable to being move blocked um, knights don't have the fly keyword and they're huge bases so it can be very difficult for them sometimes to move around the table effectively and not get blocked in by like oh i moved this rhino forward now you can't move forward anymore because the rhino is in the way uh yeah i, I agree with everything brandon said. i don't I have nothing more to add. Really? Because there's even more. There's um, a lot. They're a low model count army, and because they're skewed towards multiple wounds, like minimum 14, 12 wounds um, on an Armager, um, if their opponent does multiple damage, then, oh, they're in serious trouble. But, um, yeah, skill list have problems getting blocked, have problems dealing with hordes that can block them, um, and particularly embedded characters that swing first, like that Space Marine Blood Angels captain with Thunderhammer who goes in, swings once, the knight picks him up, he swings on death. That's a big deal for knights to deal with because that Smash Captain trades for a 400-point model with a 120-point mm -hmm. model. It's not even close. Mm. Yeah. So how would we fix the knight's faction? So I have a few answers to that question, Brandon. I will uh, answer it once and then pass it back to you to 
uh, just to kind of space out mats so I don't overload you all at once. Um, this one's probably my favorite, maybe my most controversial answer to that question. And that's, I think knights should have the ability to affect the map more than what they already do. So what I mean by that is if you look at the knight relics, the knight stratagems, the choices the knights have, the warlord traits, they're all very focused around the knight. They're such a selfish, selfish uh, faction in general. I don't think that should be the case. Um, there are some outliers. Uh, for instance, there is the Canis Rex model or the Knight Preceptors who can help Warglaives, which is okay, fine. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, it's not that great, but it's not that bad. Uh, and then there are other Knights that give you some leadership buffs. Woo, leadership buffs. But in general, they're very, very selfish. They focus around what the Knight, what the Knight does killing-wise or what happens to the Knight itself and what the Knight can do. Not necessarily other things that can happen or other ways the knight can affect the board so one cool thing i've always specific stratagem and then kind of an overarching reason why i think the stratagem would be kind of cool is um, i want to see stratagems that affect the knight's weapons and let the weapons do things that you that they should be able to do thematically but don't do on the tabletop normally so the specific stratagem and example i have is a, uh, a stratagem for the gatling gun so one thing the gatling gun is is also meant to do is suppressing fire. It's not meant to be accurate. It's meant to control a zone or part of the region you're shooting at while you're basically just overloading it, shooting it, right? Because it's a wall of bullets. You can't go there. So one thing that would be kind of cool is a stratagem that says if you shoot a unit, one single uh, unit, maybe it could just be an infantry unit that's holding in an objective and you cause a wound, that unit is no longer holding that objective just for that turn. So you have to keep using it consistently. However, this will represent the knight doing something beyond just shooting something with that unit. It's shooting and suppressing fire and objective. You can't grab the data pad if the knight is literally creating a wall of bullets for a, for like 10 seconds or however long a turn is supposed to last, um, preventing you from grabbing it or you will die, right? So there should be thing, like things like giving the battle cannon like the Thunderfire Cannon Roll, although a nerfed version of the Thunderfire Cannon Roll, you don't want to make all the Battle Cannons have the Tremor Shells all of a sudden. But something like that might also be really well, cool. They do have something similar in uh, at least the Imperial Knights book. You can take a Relic that makes you count as 10 models that are obsec mm -hmm. for objectives. Sure. But, but that's that's a buff for the Knight, once again. That's like, I, I, get, I get that, but that's also a buff for the Knight. The Knight isn't affecting somewhere on the board that it, where it isn't. It's affecting where it is currently. So one of the things knights are lacking is the ability to reach out and change the game state when they're moved yes. locked. So you're suggesting handing more abilities that cost CP so yeah. that they can participate in the objective game even if they're being blocked in. Yeah, I, I would rather have the Thunder of Volteris, which is the Relic Battle Cannon. I'd rather have it, instead of uh, doing more damage and, and kind of increasing its damage output, have it represent what the Thunder might be. So something like Shaken, maybe make it so they only move, um, not charge, but just move half inches or move minus two, or um, maybe have it have like a debuff to their leadership, which is lame, but thematic to uh, units that are within six inches of the unit you shot at some, something cool, something that represents this, this weapon thundering on the battlefield and uh, affecting a unit more than just killing it. Right. Uh, Knights kind of like the, the vigilance formation for guard suppressive fire. Yeah. Where, you yeah. give up shooting, but you disrupt an enemy unit. You, you can do that too. Uh, knights are supposed to be this terrifying, 
omnipresent you know behemoth on the battlefield that i am shocked that like like a scout squad can just stare down a knight and go you're never gonna shoot at me because i'm not valuable enough because you've only got six turns and you have a bunch of other things to shoot at so guess what i'm cool you can heavy stubber me but whatever right like that scout squad should be like oh shit that's a knight I better I better get some cover just you know just in case because they can level this whole battlefield um because it's a fucking so imperial knight. What you're basically telling me is that knights are missing that anti-infantry and more than just lightning armagers should be in the codex that make those scouts worry. Yeah, it, it, exactly. They they should just have and maybe goes beyond just their weapons. Uh, they should have an ability to affect the battlefield beyond just what beyond just killing things and being you know, basically just be on killing things. That's really the only way a knight can currently affect the the game state um, outside of its charge range, uh, and and that's a limited well, range. And if let me give you blocked, like you one said, of my abilities. Then uh, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. Um, one of the big deals with knights right now is that they can be move blocked by infantry in the mm-hmm. movement phase, but not during the fallback. If they're falling back from combat, they ignore infantry. If they're moving, they don't, which is really weird. I think I would just make knights ignore infantry models. Period. Like, infantry do not exist except where they end their move. Like, infantry should not be able to stop a knight. They can slow it down. So you can put your infantry where the knight would have ended its move and be like, nope, you can't end there. You have to be a bit farther back. But knights should just always move through infantry. In my opinion. That that's that's an easy good fix for knights too. Although still selfish. <laughs> Anyways, um, and heck, even go beyond that. Just move through non-vehicle, non-monster models as if they were not there. Yeah, uh, Peter, do you have anything to add? Do you have any buffs for knights? No, I'm just thinking. Just thinking about all the things you said. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I have another thing too. So so this is less rules and more. Um, with the faction in general uh i think they did a cool job with with increasing the faction with armagers uh, fleshing it out a little bit more forge world's already done a great job introducing a lot of different chassis however one thing i've um that they kind of opened a little bit with uh canis rex the canis rex model is the idea of uh, what else goes into a knight right so these knights they they own entire planets they're not just like they don't just randomly appear to help out space marines and, and stuff, right? Like, they, they have their own household worlds. Um, some renegade knights just control their planets with just knight suits. Um, so they have other units, and Canis Rex kind of proved that, in that when he dies, he's still running around as a, as a little knight pilot. And they actually have, like, legions of caretakers and followers who repair this knight, right? It's not yep. just, like, Canis Rex isn't just working on his night 24 7 you know like this isn't zoids like he, he's <laughs> they've got armies of people that that fix their night right and so why not represent them on the tabletop if you're attacking a night household um like like the home world of a night household yeah they're gonna go out there they're gonna stomp face they're gonna defend themselves but i mean how hard is it to arm all those engineer dudes with a bunch of las pistols and send them out there as well a la like something like peasants or or uh conscripts so i think it would be really cool to introduce a kit 
that that just represents those their vassals kind of like what bretonians did with with fantasy you have these crazy knights these pegasus knights and hippogriff writers and all these crazy badasses but you have the peasants that basically sustain them that are living sometimes under an iron fist um that are kind of thrown into battle as meat shields it fixed the fixes the knight board zone board control problem it gives the knights another unit to buff beyond armagers with with um status effects and if you balance it right you you don't have to make these units super op you can maybe limit them to 20 Uh, you know what i'm hearing pablo what i am hearing give knights access to the allied guard that gene steeler cult have no 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 (laughs) not that that's that's too guard aren't specialized in tuning a knight because it represents pdf they have no regiment bonus They As generate fewer CP, but they're the homeworld people. They're just chilling while the knights do all the heavy lifting. Yeah, just give uh, them PDF. Yes. There, bam. I like it. I was thinking the same thing, Pablo. Um, I was thinking real hard about exactly that because I think that, like, like Brandon said, the biggest issue with knights for a long time is skew. Um, and before Marines came out and wrecked their day, um, it was the opposite problem in that. They, they didn't win a lot of events. They top forward a lot, um, but they always met their match, right? And it's because they're a skew list, and I hated knights because I didn't think they were very good for the game, specifically because of their skew. Um, so, yeah, give them, like like you, you're kind of mentioned. I know you want to be a little more specific, but I think Brandon's got it. Give them, like, a PDF or a vassal ship or whatever you want to call it that's basically yeah, just, vassals. like, infantry squ- infantry squads or conscripts. You can just say conscripts. They can take conscripts um, and a couple, quote-unquote, characters that are, like, shittier versions of guard characters. But give them more synergy exactly. with the knights than just regular regiments yeah, maybe. would have had. So instead of regiments, you have all this synergy. Yeah, with like the they're knights. half. Maybe they uh, only suffer half leadership penalties with, if they're within six inches of one of their knights or twelve inches. Um, give them kind of morale bonuses because you know their buddies are with them. Um, That'd be really I, cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I don't don't make them fearless for for goodness sakes because that just breaks everything oh, somewhere along the way. But yeah, give them some kind of leadership buff. Give them a couple characters that are a little more knight oriented than the regular guard ones. And then take the house hawk shroud abilities and just apply them across yep. the board. Just yeah. be like, if they're your own PDF, you have these extra abilities to protect them that you wouldn't for other imperial forces because you're and, used to working. And with them. renegade yeah. knights might use them as like crappier shield drones. Don't make or them like instead of dealing mortal wounds to your knight so it shoots better, you can just consume the yeah. cultists that I are like near it. you to do I the like same it. thing. Or yeah, they can I mean, shoot the, into combat that their the cultists are in. Oh, even there. better. Problem solved. Oh. GW, yeah, we, fixed your, really... we fixed all of your codexes. Bam. Mic dropped. Uh, oh, well, there's one final, there was one oh. final thing, but honestly, with knights, it, it has to do with allies. Um, but yeah, it's basically the same. We'll just give them more rules and stratagems that affect their allies. Yeah as well but that's Pablo can I say something about this Um, episode you've mentioned Warhammer Fantasy Battle like eight times are you doing that because you know I'm lonely and you just want to get me excited well yes partly I've been playing a lot of Total Warhammer 2 however the one thing I've been starting to realize about Warhammer Fantasy as I kind of jump into total war and in turn read like the end times books and look at old Warhammer Fantasy Battle reports is that even though the game itself was not, it just wasn't great. There were a lot of problems with it. Uh, one thing I loved about Warhammer Fantasy Wrong, was... Wrong, but continue. 
well, you know what? That's fair. That's an opinion. <laughs> um, uh, but one thing I love about Warhammer Fantasy is the representation the rules had with to the to the fluff, right? So like the regiments of renown alone were already super fluffy. There was tons of them that Warhammer Forty K never really got. Like it. it it never felt like warmer fa- there was never it never felt like there was a space marine faction in warmer fantasy to me from the outside looking in maybe that wasn't the case maybe there were factions that clearly got love uh over others however warmer fantasy very felt more about the world and how the factions kind of interacted with it than space marines and imperium fucking shit up and fighting chaos like it just it just it just feels like anyway so so that's why i like things like regiments of renown um and why i think they should apply to warm 40k uh, and that's kind of where i've been alluding to it on there but also i've just been on a game design spree mm-hmm. in general i've been watching a lot of youtube comments uh or youtube videos on game design in general um and i'm just really passionate about warm 40k in general like i really want this game to succeed um and overall i do love this game and i i don't dislike these codexes i don't think that they're awful and that you should play them um i just think that they need to be tuned up and i think most of them were great when they came out but the game has evolved um necrons maybe not as much um but I think I think <laughs> the rest of them, Necrons and Grey Knights, when they came out, it was very clear that they were subpar. I think most of the rest of the books, when they came out, there was excitement, and then it was just, you know, a month later something came out that was a better design philosophy, and they've evolved to a point now where we get to say these really cool things and say like fix them and give them this stuff because everything should feel like, everything should feel the way you want it to feel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And if I could end on one final note, um, I think GW, I think you're doing a really good job with uh, rules design. And even though uh, we did mention a lot of problems with codexes that go beyond uh, what a simple FAQ can fix, um, uh, you know, these, I think that in general, I think these codexes aren't awful. But uh, one thing I've noticed is that uh, GW rules design has been more focused on uh, balancing the game, making it more uniform, making it more competitive, which I think is a good thing. I think that's very, very important. However, you can make balanced uniform rules and have them pertain to the fluff. So you don't have to make a Cal and Jericho book to add more fluff to your world uh, and then give those models shitty rules to to kind of expand the fluff in the narrative. You can do it still by augmenting these codexes without having to worry about breaking them. Um, you just have to think about what these rules do and just kind of like think out the side of the box. So I can't do your job better than you, GW rules writers. I think that you're some of the best in the business. However, um, I feel like I feel like maybe um, some of you needed to hear that. Like there's you know there's a balance there. You're so close to striking it. All right. Oh, that is it. Any final comments on, on the five factions? We probably got it wrong, but what do you all think, listeners, in the comments section? Yeah, I can't below? wait to hear. What, what, is your, what are your bottom five factions? Uh, why are we 100% wrong? <laughs> why do Space Marines need to get buffed even more? Everything. There are no wrong answers. I love reading there all your comments. There are 100% wrong answers. Ones. I will let you know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you, Peter and Brandon, for coming on the episode. Uh, Peter, we mentioned it earlier, but once again, where can they find uh, 40kstats.com. I do a lot of guest hosting. Soon, for, uh, someday, I shouldn't say soon because we never know. 
someday in the future, 40K Stats Center will be back when events start up again, and uh, Val and I will provide you all the coverage. But until then, yeah, 40kstats.com and whatever show I'm guest starring, guest hosting, guest whatever they call them, depending on the show, I happen to pop on day to day. All right, and Brandon, you've mentioned your guard group a few times, certainly multiple times on this podcast. Yep. Beyond if that, you, is there if anything you play you guard, wanna, message me, and I'll add you. Okay. On Facebook. All right. Also, if you want to reach Brandon or Peter or any of the wonderful co-hosts we have on regularly, you can always sign up for the Patreon if you want to support the podcast. Just go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. A simple cup of coffee a month gives you access to Brandon, Peter, Val, Scary, and myself. We're on Discord, although less me, so I just... I cannot get used to the Discord platform. I'm sorry. Try to go on there whenever I can. However, Peter and Sean Morgan are on there often, as well as Scary. And also, I'm in Facebook, and we're also on Facebook as well, too. Patrons get to ask us questions that we answer at the end of every episode. We didn't get one this episode because it was a surprise episode. However, normally on Mondays, we answer patron questions at the end of every episode, and you also get answered winter cool, awesome raffles. Uh, we are currently have suspended our raffles until uh, this kind of COVID thing kind of dies down and we kind of get to a more normal schedule, uh, mostly at work, frontline gaming. However, when that does open up, I promise we're going to have an awesome, cool raffle for the patrons specifically. It's going to be great. At the end of this, at the end of the year last year, I gave away a plane ticket to one lucky patron. So, this year, uh, this one probably won't be as big as that, but it will be big. Um, I do like giving back to my patrons as much as possible because you all do help support the podcast and keep this podcast going. So, also, go to Frontline Gaming Network, check out the Frontline Gaming Network, and all of that good stuff. I have been your host, Mr. PD Pob, and you are all, of course, the best listeners in the world. And as always, have a good Bye-bye. one. Bye.